This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to continue with Romans chapter 1. And the book of Romans, it, it just does not disappoint. It challenges us every day to be more like Jesus in our daily lives. Paul has established himself as the author of this letter. He has established his authority as an apostle, and he has established where his authority comes from. So he's telling us, but in particular, he's telling the church at Rome. It's full of Gentiles, mostly Gentiles, but there's also Jews there as well. But he is, he is telling them, hey, I have authority to write this letter, and my authority comes from God, so you need to pay attention to what I have to say. And, and then he's going to shift his focus upon Jesus and what Jesus did for us by dying on the cross for our sins and being buried in that tomb for three days and how he came out of that grave victorious on the third day. And Paul says this is his main message to both the Gentiles and the Jews alike because he wants people, no matter if they're Gentiles or Jews, and if you're not a Jew, you are a Gentile, no matter what nationality you are. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. And, and the message of the cross and salvation is for everybody. Because Paul wants people to be saved. And he, in particular, wants God to be glorified through our lives. Even today in 2023. What Paul wrote to the church at Rome is still effective in the church today in 2023. Why? Because the power of God's Word is the living Word. The Word of God, the, the Holy Scriptures, they are alive. And they continue to speak and challenge and shape the heart of man today. So let's dive on into verses 8 through 16. Because Paul is going to continue this theme about Jesus and how he wants God to be glorified through our lives. And uh I want to start out in verse 8 when Paul says, he says, let me first, let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. Now granted, the world back then wasn't as big as the world today. There wasn't billions with a B people on the earth. I don't know how many people there were. You can Google it and find out, but it was nowhere near what it is like today. But Paul says that their faith was being talked about all over the known world in Paul's day. And he says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your faith in him. And it's being talked about all over the world. Now, Paul has never been to Rome yet. And he has a desire to, to go to the church there at Rome and see the people, to meet them. He, he, he wants to meet the brethren and produce fruit um, uh, among the church there. Um, um, he wants to go into the marketplaces and share Jesus and give people the opportunity to be saved. So what's the next best thing if Paul can't be there, right? He, he, he's going to write this letter and he wants to edify the saints. And this is what he's doing. You can, you can hear Paul building up the people before he really starts laying down the hammer. Um, 
recently, the pastor of the church that I'm working with uh, as the worship leader, First Christian in Maryville, uh, he's been dealing with cancer treatments. And so he's been out of commission for the past two months. Uh, he came back uh, this past Sunday. Welcome back, Gary. Uh, we love you. Glad to have you back. Uh, but since he wasn't around in person, what Gary would do, uh, he would send encouraging texts, and not only to me, but to all, just all the congregation, people in the congregation. He would make phone calls as well, just to encourage people like myself. Um, and he would just constantly was sending encouraging texts and messages. Um, this is exactly what Paul is doing here. He, he wants the people to listen to what he's, what he's got to say in this letter. And if he encourages them at the very beginning, they're more likely to have his attention. Because if he just, you know, it's like if, 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 if I've never met you and I wanted you to listen to something I had to say, I'm not going to just start slamming you with, you know, you know, coming at you. And you'd be saying, why are you coming at me, bro? Why, why are you doing this? You don't even know me. No, I, I would I would approach you with politeness, kindness, meekness, and, and build you up, encourage you. I would say some nice things about you and, and, and try to start a conversation with you. And that's exactly what Paul is doing here. He is building up the church there at Rome because he's not there in person. And so he wants his letter to have a lot of weight. And and, and he's going to talk about, talk about some major issues even right here in chapter 1. Because if if I was to approach you uh, in, in a harsh way, what are you going to do? You're you're automatically going to shut me down. You're not going to listen to anything that I have to say, and 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 so we have to be careful how we, especially in this day and time, because you know you breathe on somebody and they're easily offended, um, and so we have to be real careful how we approach people. I'm not saying be wimpy about it, be bold about it, but approach people in love and concern and, and be genuine with it. And that's what Paul's doing here with the church at Rome. He, he, he's encouraging them. He's building, in the, building them up before he's going to start laying down the law. Uh, he says in verse 9, God knows how often I pray for you day and night. I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about his son. Now, when Paul says he's praying for them, he absolutely 100% means it. You know, how many times have we said, I'll pray for you, and then we forget to pray for that person. We forget the need that they even have. We, we just, just, it just totally, because we get so busy in our daily lives that we just totally forget it. Well, why not just pray for them on the spot? But Paul says, he says, I've been praying for you day and night, bringing your needs in prayer to God. And when Paul says that, he absolutely means it. Paul doesn't say, I will pray for you. He says, God knows how often I do pray for you, day and night, which assures his readers that he's been building up here at the beginning in chapter 1. When he says, I've been praying for you day and night, and God is my witness, this assures his readers that he has definitely been praying for them. And he mentions that he prays every day both day and night. And so my first question to you today is, what's your prayer life like? Do you spend time communicating with God in prayer? And 
during that prayer time, do you do you spend time listening to God? Jesus made it clear that we're to spend alone time with God in prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, he says, when you pray. See, he don't say if you pray. He says when you pray. So Jesus is assuming that we are a people of prayer. And he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. He's talking about the, the uh, Pharisees and the religious leaders. Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I'll tell you, by the, I'll tell you the truth. That is all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. And when you pray, there it is again, when you pray, that's the third time. Jesus says that we are to be a people of prayer. When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again and again and again and again and again. Don't be like the Gentiles that repeat their words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Just talk to God. That's all prayer is, just having a conversation with God and opening your ears and listening to what God has to say. And so Jesus, in Matthew chapter, uh, is it Matthew chapter 6, 5 through 8, He implies that we are to be a people of prayer. So how's your prayer life? You know, there's a corny saying that you see on church signs that says, uh, what does it say? Seven days without prayer makes one weak. W-E-A-K. Verse 10, Paul says, One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at, uh, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. And when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to encourage, be encouraged by yours. So Paul lets the church at Rome know that his desire is to visit them for really two main reasons. Number one, he wants to impart a spiritual gift in each one of the people that belong to this church that have been immersed in the, the, the baptismal waters and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ he wants to impart to each and every one of them a spiritual gift that's going to help them grow in the Lord. And number two, he wants to be encouraged by them. So <clears throat> you can argue uh, this point with me if you want. You can send me emails if you want. You can send me text. You can get the email address at the end of this. You can get the text uh, number at the end of this. Um, it'd be great. I, I, I would love to uh, hear your take on this. What I'm about to talk about is, but spiritual gifts were passed on by the laying of hands by an apostle. We see this all through the book of Acts. Now, and we'll talk more about that in just a second, but Paul gives, he gives some spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, when he says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. So in other words, there's only one Holy Spirit. You got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit is who we get our gifts from. And there's different kind of gifts, but there's only one spirit that gives these gifts. That's what Paul says. Verse five, there are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. This is why we have spiritual gifts. Are you using 
the gift or gifts that God has given you to help each other. Man, this world is hard. This world is dark. And, and, and we need each other. That's why he says in the book of Hebrews to, to don't forsake the assembly uh, together. Why? Because we are to encourage one another, to spur one another on to love and good deeds. And that's what Paul is saying here. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to, to another. And to someone else, the, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So you don't get to pick and choose. You know, it's not a gift bag. It's not a grab bag. It's not a you know, a Cracker Jack box that you just reach in and grab a, a prize. No, the Holy Spirit knows what gift best suits you. The Holy Spirit knows which gift or gifts best suit me. And therefore, he gives us those gifts accordingly. The, how our lives would best glorify God. In 2 Timothy 3, 1-7, Paul says, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember, there it is again, just like he told the church at Rome, I'm praying for you night and day. He says, night and day, I constantly remember you, Timothy, in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. So in other words, they had spent some time together. P Timothy was sad. Paul was sad. There's a lot of tears being poured out they're sad and they part and paul says i remember your tears as we parted and i will be filled with joy when we're together again i remember your genuine faith for you share the faith that was first filled your grandmother lois and your mother eunice and i know that the same faith continues strong in you this timothy is why i remind you to fan the flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Isn't that a Bon Jovi song? Lay my hands on you. Is that, is that how that goes? I don't know. God gave, he says, I, I want to remind you to fan the into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Now, like I said, you can disagree with what I'm about to say, and that's fine. It's, it's not the end of the world. But we see this all through history, and we see it all through the book of Acts, that spiritual gifts, like Paul just uh, listed here in 1 Corinthians 12, these spiritual gifts could only be passed on by an apostle. And when I, what I mean by an apostle is one of the 12 plus Paul. And we see this. If you go back and listen, I, I covered extensively the book of Acts in detail. You can go back and listen to those podcasts when you have time. But when we studied the book of Acts and broke it down, this is exactly what we see. The men and women who had spiritual gifts, they were given to them 
when an apostle laid their hands on them, they in turn could, uh, they, they got a spiritual gift from that apostle, from the Holy Spirit, through that apostle's laying on of hands, but they could not pass it on to another believer. Look it up, study it. You'll see it for yourselves. A great example of this is found in Acts chapter 8 when Philip goes and he preaches in Samaria uh, because of the persecution of the church. And Philip was one of the chosen ones uh, to help settle a matter. Uh, we we kind of say these were the first deacons. Uh, in Acts chapter 6 verse 5, when the Hebrew and the Grecian widows were, they were you know, passing out the food and, and they felt like they were being uh, gypped, if you will. And so... Uh, Instead of the apostles getting involved, they told the church there to, I believe it was to pick seven men, and, and, and they had to have some qualifications, and they chose seven men, and Philip was one of the seven that was chosen to help settle this matter. Now, Philip, when he went into Samaria, he's preaching about Jesus, and he could work miracles to back up that message. Um. Why is that? Because the apostles had laid their hands on him and they imparted a spiritual gift through the power of the Holy Spirit to Philip. But Philip could not impart these gifts to anyone that he baptized in Samaria. And I'll prove it. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 4. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news. That's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. They preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. That's because of the persecution. They're scattered. Philip, so we've we got a, a specific example. Luke says, Acts chapter 8, verse 4, now verse 5. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs that he did. So he could work miracles. He's backing up the message with these miracles just like the apostles did, just like the disciples did, just like Jesus did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city, and a man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one or the power of God. And they were being tricked is what they were doing. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believe Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized, immersed in water. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized and he began following Philip wherever he went. And he was amazed by the signs and the great miracles that Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. Why would they send Peter and John there, two apostles? Well, it tells us. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Philip preached Jesus to these people. He baptized them in the name of Jesus Christ. And then Peter and John, two apostles, come down to Samaria because they hear what's going on and they begin laying their hands on these believers. 
Verse 17, Peter and John laid their hands on these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on the people, not, not Philip, Philip couldn't do it or he would have done it and Peter and John wouldn't have had to come down from Jerusalem to Samaria. No, Peter and John come down. They lay their hands on these believers. They receive the Holy Spirit and they could work miracles because the, the apostles had this ability to pass on these spiritual gifts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on the people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed. And so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, that's not what Simon wanted. He, he wanted the power and the prestige being able to do this. He just wanted his name to be out there. It was pride. And so uh, Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. And perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. And Simon exclaimed, Pray to the Lord for me that these terrible things you have said won't happen to me. And after testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, and they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. Philip couldn't pass on the power of the Holy Spirit. It took Peter and John coming down from Jerusalem to Samaria and laying their hands on each one of these new believers and they passed on the power of the Holy Spirit and those believers could now work miracles. They could go preach Jesus and work miracles to back up their message, but they would not be able to pass on the power of the Holy Spirit so that people could get these gifts. Another passage to look at is 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 12. It says, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when, when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. So the big discussion with these verses is, is this. What is Paul talking about? Is he talking about a person? Is he talking about Jesus? Is he talking about a thing? Is he, is he talking about the Bible? And I'm just going to briefly cover this, and you can study this on your own. You can Google it, whatever. But I believe it's the Bible because in the Greek, the word used here is it's not masculine as a man, or it's not feminine as in a woman, but it is neutral as in a thing. And I believe that Paul, and there's a lot of people that agree with this, that Paul is talking about a thing. When that which complete comes what is in part disappears. Well, what is complete? What do we have today in 2023 that has come from God that is complete? It's this right here, the Word of God. We have absolutely everything we need for salvation, to be saved, and to have a relationship with God the Father. It tells us all about Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. We can find Jesus and it's a, it's a complete love story of how God loves us and he gave his son to die on a cross for our sins, to be raised on that third day and to come out of that tomb victorious so that we too can have victory in Jesus and that we can have our sins washed away by the blood of Jesus and we can be filled with the Holy Spirit.
We have everything that we need in this book, which is a thing, which I believe is what Paul was talking about through the Spirit. They didn't have that in the early church. Uh, the church was new. They were facing all kinds of persecution, and they needed, a, they needed ways to convince people that the Messiah had come, that would be Jesus, and that Jesus wanted them to be saved and so what they would do is preach Jesus and they, they could work the miracles to back up their message. But it, the, 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 the spiritual gifts could only be passed, in my opinion, and there's plenty of other people that have the same opinion. You can study it for yourself. But it can only be passed, the power of the Holy Spirit can only be passed by the laying on of the hands of the apostles. And we see that right here with Philip in Acts chapter 8. The second reason why Paul wants to visit the church at Rome is because he wants to he wants to be encouraged by them. If you've ever been in ministry for any period of time, you know what Paul means here. Being in ministry is very taxing. It's very hard. It's very difficult, especially if you are a preacher because people put you on up on this pedestal and they expect so much out of you and your families. And especially if you are an elder or a deacon in the church, because the expectations are unreal. Uh, the congregation, <clears throat> because you are paid as a preacher, expects so much when they're not even willing to lift a finger to help you in many occasions. And that is the way the American model of the church is. And we have it just slap wrong. It's just crazy what we've taken the church and, and done to it. Depression and suicide is very high among preachers today. Why? Because people expect a lot from preachers, but they rarely encourage their preachers in any kind of way. So let me, let me challenge you with something. Send your preacher, your pastor, your elders, your deacons, send them an encouraging text. Give him a phone call. Take your preacher out to lunch or for supper. Take his family out for a meal. Pay for them to have a day off and go do something with their family. They need it. They, they, they need some encouragement. Now, can you imagine the persecution, the beatings, the stress that Paul was under, not including all the care of the churches that he started? And many times, Paul would be alone. And he would write in his letters, I'm left here all alone. He, he's in prison. He's in house arrest. Uh, the, the guy was being chased from city to city. People were trying to kill him, stone him, beat him. That guy just went through pure hell for, for the church and to, to spread the message of the gospel. And he needed some encouragement. And the way he wanted to get this encouragement was to go and visit the church at Rome so he can meet those brethren face to face and that he could be encouraged by them. And you'll know what I'm talking about when I say this, but there you can't get this online. I know we do church online. I know a lot of people watch it online. And I know there's sometimes there's some circumstances that that's the only way they can watch it. And that's fine. But if you are able to get to the church building and be with the brethren, you need to get your butt out of your house and get down to the church building when you have your worship services, because there's just something special about fellowshipping with the brethren. It's so, so encouraging. 
And Paul's going to give a third reason as to why he wants to visit with the church in Rome. And he says in verse 13, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit, just as I have seen among other Gentiles. For I have a great sense of obligation to the people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, and to the educated and uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome too to preach the good news. Why? Why is he eager to come to Rome? Why is he eager to come there and preach the good news? Because he wants to produce fruit. That's why he gives this verse that people quote so often. For I am not ashamed of this good news. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. And this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So Paul wants an opportunity to preach about Jesus in Rome. He wants to produce fruit. That's the third reason he wants to go there. And here is where we get that verse that is quoted so often. I'm not ashamed of the, the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. So what this verse reminds us of is that the power is not in us, but of God, in God. We tell people about Jesus. We water seed. We plant seed. That's all we can do. Our job is to literally spread seed and water seed. Tell people about Jesus. It's God who brings the increase. Paul makes that clear. So, so often in the church and as Christian people, we have this twisted because we won't share the gospel with people because we're afraid of being rejected. Guess what? You're going to be rejected. Not everybody's going to just come running to Jesus because you share the message of the gospel with them. It's not going to happen. A lot of people are going to say no. You're going to have people slam doors in your faces. You're going to have people cuss you out. You're going to have people tell you to get out of their face. They don't want to hear it. They will shun you. It's going to happen. Get ready for it. Look what happened to the early church. They were beaten and persecuted for this message. So don't be afraid to share the message because you're going to be rejected. You will be rejected. Jesus himself was rejected and still is being rejected. They're not rejecting you. They are rejecting Jesus. But it's our place as God's people, as the hands and feet of Jesus, to be telling people about the gospel, the good news, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and giving them the opportunity to say yes or no. What happens is we're putting our faith in ourselves and our abilities. Am I a good speaker? Am I not a good speaker? How much Bible do I know? Do I know a lot? Do I know a little? And what we're not doing, we're not trusting God to work in us and through us. God will give us what to say. We just got to step out in faith and say it. Because we are commanded to share Jesus with others. That's it. That's our job. To encourage others and to share Jesus with the lost. And if we do our part, I promise you, God will do his.
I want to finish today's podcast by saying this. Paul wanted to visit the church in Rome so he could encourage them. There's all kinds of people out there today that need encouragement from you. And he wanted to visit the church in Rome so that they could encourage him. Your preacher, your pastor, your elders, your deacons, they need encouragement. By all means, please send them a word of encouragement. Let them know you're praying for them and thinking about them and that you appreciate them. This world is hard. Life is difficult. It's very challenging. And we all, you and you, me, all of us, we can use some encouragement. So pick up the phone. Send a text. Call somebody. Get in somebody's DMs and send them a message of encouragement today. Don't put it off. Do it right now. Do it today. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Wherever you go, share Jesus so that others can have that same hope that you and I have and has to be with him someday for eternity. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. I will pick up again with the uh, part four of Romans chapter one in the next pod- podcast. God bless you. Keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Grounded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grounded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.